0: Welcome to the Pop Dust Podcast. I'm Jordan Edwards, producer at Pop Dust. Today's guest, Alexander, is a DJ and producer who's remixed tracks for artists like Armin Van Buren and Cascade. His latest single, Spotlight, is now streaming wherever you listen to music. Alex, how you doing?
1: Woo! Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, everyone. You know, especially you, the plant in the corner right over there. It's fantastic. How
0: are you How are you keeping uh, sane?
1: You know, man, I you know, what's really interesting is... I, I don't think I'm actually sane to begin with. So I've only, I've almost gotten slightly more insane since quarantine has really started. So it's been, it's been quite a, quite a struggle, you know, to see kind of what's going on, but no, but no, but seriously, everything's fine. Just been keeping, keeping busy, working on a lot of, a lot of new music, you know, going out when I really can and, you know, just, just keeping, keeping the mind, the mind occupied as best as possible.
0: Full disclosure, Alex is a friend of mine from college. And I pointed this out on Instagram a while back. He actually started my first student film. Um, it was
1: uh, it was it was pretty risque.
0: It, you were you were shirtless, I think, in part of it, weren't you?
1: I I, I might have been actually. You know that, that seems to be something that, that has gone, that has has traveled with me throughout throughout the years. I always seem to lose my shirt. It's very strange.
0: Maybe you, yeah, you could yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something else, <laughs> but never mind. So you know, first and foremost. You're a DJ. You're a musician. What have you been doing musically during this time? Have you been producing stuff? You've been coming up with new beats. What have you been doing?
1: I've been trying to keep as much of a of a schedule, you know, to kind of maintain some some sense of of, of a normal life as much as I possibly can. Um, so I've been waking up almost every day at like six six thirty in the morning. I'll I'll go for like a run anywhere from like four to five miles. Um, and in Miami, it's it's nice because even though they've closed off the beaches, we still have the boardwalk to run. So you know, I'll take my dog, I'll run to uh, what's called South Point and back because I live right on the beach. Um, so it's a good it's a good four miles uh, and I get to see the sunrise, which is great. So it really puts me in a really, really nice mindset throughout the rest of the day. And then really, I start to kind of just go into some music stuff um, here and there. I've been working on on a lot of new music actually, um, you know, some different collaborations with the, with people across the world. I have I have new music coming out in May on, on Insomniac Records. It's my second release on Insomniac. I just got the masters back from another track that uh, will be coming out on one of T.S. Those labels, which is super exciting. So I've been really been I've really been trying to keep as as busy as I possibly can, and yeah, just be as creative as possible. Uh, you know, it's a little difficult because it's me, that plant that I mentioned earlier. You know, my uh, some of my Funko Pops and my dog, but. Uh,
0: you know you have an advantage as a DJ as an electronic artist, you're not reliant on you don't you don't have to have like guitar players come in to record tracks for you. You can make tracks yourself. Do you feel fortunate you're in that dance and electronic music genre as opposed to someone who deals more with live instruments?
1: well, i think I think I think with this with this particular situation that we're in, um it's it is more beneficial because. You know, I can just I can just open up Ableton and load a couple of different VSDs, and I have a, and I have so much at my fingertips. Um, but you know, there's there are there are situations where I do kind of wish that that I that I you know could go into a full studio and you know record live record live uh, live strings or guitars or things like that. You know, I know that I know that anyone that's creative has an ability to to showcase that or have the release, um, you know, whether it's just, uh, composing as we, as we used to do back then, um, but on sheet music or, you know, whatever it is. But I, I am definitely, I'm definitely fortunate that, you know, I, I, to your point, I guess I am definitely fortunate to be able to just open my computer and, uh, you know, create whatever in my head.
0: The two things that DJs love to do is make music and perform for people, perform at festivals, at clubs, so, how much are you missing that aspect of, of being out there with the people?
1: Right about a couple of weeks before this pandemic hit, I played one of probably one of the coolest shows that I had played. Um, I played Crush, which was a, it's a sold out 6,500 person event. Um, it was myself, Dioro, uh, Arm Hammer, Set the Sky, Blossom. It was a really, really sick event. You know, I played. I've played a bunch of festivals in the past. I played EDC four times, uh, four four years in a row. Um, EDC Las Vegas, EDC Orlando, and different places like that. But it was, it was, to me, it was one of the coolest shows I had played because the crowd was so engaged, and it was it was insane. Like the energy was unbelievable. So to go from that to, you know, canceling all or postponing all of the festivals that we had, and we had a lot, we had a great lineup. Um, that was that was. That was set for this year, kicking off with Miami Music Week. You know, it's been it's been a little it's been a little tough. But what I what I have done is I've i really used it as an opportunity to to engage one on one with uh, with fans of my music. i really tried to use it as an opportunity to to talk to them online, whether it's through uh, so, uh, Instagram or Facebook, and really really become friends with them uh, because. At the end of the day, that's, uh, that's really what the, what the best, what the biggest thing is, you know, you want to really engage with your, with your fans and, and have that personal connection. So I think that that's been able to kind of substitute a little bit, uh, but that, that, that rush of energy and, you know, being up there in front of thousands upon thousands of people, man, there's nothing like that.
0: Yeah. 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 What have you heard from other DJs? promoters, what's the vibe out there? Is there a hopeful, you know, every industry, whether it's sports or music or whatever, they've kind of set these arbitrary timetables for when stuff can can go back to normal or, or when events can take place again. What, what are you hearing within the DJ and electronic music and the festival community from that perspective?
1: So EDC, we, uh, they postponed till I believe the first week of October. Uh, Coachella, is the is in October as well, you know. I think I think that that like look Insomniac and Golden Voice. They're they're two of the top pro, uh, producers of, of festivals in the world. So they really you know they have a good they have a good um, idea of of what's gonna what's gonna work and what's gonna make people uh, make people feel comfortable and make it makes sense. But you know I, I I'm not really sure. You know a lot of my friends they they think that as soon as quarantine is done we're gonna go back to just the way things were, and then other friends of mine are like, "Look, you know, we may not, we may not go have that, have that sense of normalcy until, until next year. Nobody really knows." Um, and me personally, I think, I think it's a little, it's it's unrealistic in my in in, in my opinion to think that we're going to go straight back to how things were. I, I, I don't know if I would personally feel comfortable you know, in June or July going to or performing at a festival with 10, 15, 20, 30,000 people, 40,000 people in one place, you know, that's a little, that's, that's a little scary, you know, you know, and then, you know, you think, you think is, is there a possibility that that this is going to come back, you know, a second wave. So there's, there's so many differentiating factors of, um, of what, of what people, of what can and cannot happen. It's just a huge sense of unknowing, I think.
0: You know, all the, every time I've been doing these episodes, I, have, I ask about the industry, whatever the guest is in and, and the situation. But I also want to talk about the creative process. One of the things that really made your name was remixing tracks for, for bigger DJs. That's, that really helped propel your career. When you get a track from a bigger DJ, from somebody like Armin Van Buren or Cascade or Tiesto, whoever, do you feel more pressure to make a better track versus if you're just making something for yourself?
1: Yeah, you know, a uh, short short story um, or short answer. These are people that I've looked up to my entire life, and it's one thing. It's one thing to re- receive the opportunity, which in itself is massive, but it's another thing to kind of knock it out of the park um, and have them remember you. You know, the one of the craziest things that happened with uh, with the Armin remix. Uh, you know, because I produce house music, um, and Armin played. Played my remix of his on a state of trance, and it was it was absolutely insane. I was I was standing on on uh, on the pool deck of the one hotel South Beach, and my friend my friend from college, actually Jeff, he texts me and he's like, "Dude, you're not gonna believe this. You're on a state of trance right now." I'm like, "What are you?" Ta-? And then my, my phone starts blowing up, and it's and and the state of trance the official state of trance uh, Twitter's like now playing a very special remix uh, by Alexander blah. blah, blah. And I'm like losing my mind, jumping up and down because I used to listen to a state of trance every single week. and then you know the, and then I did the remix for Cascade after that, and then the Matoma remix after that. There's definitely a good amount of pressure um that I put on myself, not from the artist, but for me, because you don't want to let them down. And when they're when they're tapping you to remix them, they're kind of, they're telling the world, you know, this guy, this guy's awesome. It's like, you know, like, I think he can, he can do something amazing with my music, or he can do something completely different, which is, you know, that's a, that's a crazy, crazy thing. Yeah, long answer there. Um, Yes, I definitely put some more, more pressure on myself, but, but I always put a lot of pressure on myself, no matter what the, what the situation is, whether it's a huge artist, whether it's for my own stuff, whether it's, you know, something that I found that's really, really cool. And I just want to, you know, kind of put my own spin on it. You know, I never want to, I never want to lose that, that sense of urgency or that butterfly feeling, um, because then, you know, why are we doing this?
0: You really made your name in, in, in house music. What attracted you to that style of music? To me, house music is one of the more evergreen, one of the more timeless styles of electronic music. What appeals to you about that genre?
1: Somebody who's become one of my really really good friends is a guy named Junior Sanchez, and he's uh, you know he's a legend when it comes to house music. Um, and I used to listen to him when I was younger, or go see him at clubs. I used to go see people like um, like uh, like Sandra Kleinenberg or Oscar G or um, Pete Tong or you know different people in house music. Like I I always kind of gravitated towards that sound, you know the piano keys and. And the fa- the melodies and you know the cool thing about house music is a lot of the vocals are very uplifting. You know, there a lot of the vo- some of the really really cool vocals on um, on labels like Defected they have like a gospel influence. And when I create music, I like to I like to have I like for people to feel good. And I think that that's one thing that really really drew me to, to house music in general. You know the the overall idea is to feel good. You know, to just let loose and hang out. You know, came from disco. Um, so that's one thing. You know, nothing against any of the other genres, but you know, some of it gets a little too dark for my taste. I'm overall generally a very happy and positive person. You know, definitely insane, but positive, like a positive insane. So I think that you know, just that. It be it having more of like a positive kind of message attached to it, and a, and a positive, um, like a positive uh, chord progressions and, and positive keys. That's really what drew me to it.
0: You know, the stereotypes of of house music, electronic music, of of raves, of trance, is a culture built around club drugs and you know getting high. But you feel, I feel like you break those cliches a little bit. When I think of a DJ, I don't think of a DJ getting up at 6 a.m. and running with his dog. I think of a <laughs> DJ sleeping till one in the afternoon, you know, from the night before.
1: Dude, I gotta tell you, there's, there's a lot of us, there's a lot of us in this industry, and, and I'll, I'll, let me preface this by saying, I love tequila. You know, that is, that is something that I'm a huge, huge fan of. But there's a lot of us in this industry where we don't, we don't drink, and we don't do drugs all the time, you know, We that's not, that's not like part of our life. I think what you'll find is on the touring circuit, it's very, very difficult to, if you're playing two or three, three or four shows a week, you can't, you can't get drunk every night. You can't do drugs every night because then, then your body wears down and, and your fans the sets suffer and that and that that really takes away from the experience that you're giving your fans. So you know a lot of my peers are vegan. a lot of my peers are in the, in r and are in gyms all the time like I myself before this pandemic happened, I was in the gym five or six days a week not eating the healthiest fucking love pizza pizza tacos, that's my shit but you know it's not as much I think it's just a stereotype a lot of the times now don't get me wrong. Somebody's been at Bergain for like forty-eight hours. yeah, Chances are they're probably on something. But a lot of us, from a from a former and DJ standpoint, we just we we don't do it. And if we do do it, we do we don't do it with that kind of frequency, just because you can't. Your body can't handle that. You know, we're only human. At the end of the day, we're not superhumans. Yeah. No matter no matter what Aoki wants.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Having that Miami connection, you know, you're a University of Miami alum. You're from Woo! Queens. Go yes, Cain, Yeah, go Canes, go Canes. I was curious, you know, you think of Miami, you think of more tropical sounds, you think of the uh, Afro-Cuban beats and things like that. How have you been able to mix your New York roots and your Miami life musically?
1: So if you look through the tracks that have kind of released... My first track, Close Enough, which came out, I think it was like four years ago, or four, four and a half years ago, five years ago, something like that. That was more on that had more tropical sounds attached to it. And then subsequently, the the tracks there were a little bit progressive in nature, but they still had like a, you know, you could tell it was had tropical a little bit tropical more influences. Casually, which came out, I believe two years ago on on Spinning Records, it was a collaboration between myself and Redondo. That was more of like a like a more piano house kind of vibe, and you know I've kind
0: of kind of a '90s sounding,
1: yeah, exactly. Like Maria Maria Z had this has this unbelievable, unbelievable voice, and she like she took the entire thing home. Um, and Redondo and I are you know are both we can, we can work a piano pretty well, so we were able to come up with something really really cool there. But I think from casually we went we actually went to uh, to all the remixes. A remix from Ito- from Atoma and Armand um, had, had a lot of uh, horns that were in them, uh, specifically the Arm actually both of them they had they had great horn leads. Um, and that I attributed more towards like the Latin uh, sound that you kind of have in Miami and also I'm from Ven- my mom's from Venezuela. My dad's my dad's white and Jewish so it's kind of balancing those as well. But then if you notice the first track that came out in Insomniac, uh, interstellar, was a was something that was a complete departure from from what I'd done in the past. And, you know, one thing is I I went to I went to LaGuardia High School when I was when I was in New York, which is the fame school. I went there for vocal and then I went to University of Miami for for singing as well. So music has been a part of my career, so I'm sorry, my life for such a long time. And I've always been attracted to so many different genres. So I think to kind of answer your question, as I've produced or as I put out more, more of my different um, likes of different genres and different uh, styles has really been uh, apparent, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, and now with uh, Spotlight, that Spotlight that just came out that was that has more of like a UK kind of house sound. The track that's coming out, uh, High Horse on Insomniac in May, is more of like that. That uh, it's like a club banger, more dancey. Um, and then the next track after that on Tiesto's label is going to be, it's a little bit, it's kind of like a, a combination of both.
0: You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned going to music school, you went to Frost School of Music at University of Miami, and you actually gave a talk there to, to the to the students. And I know! And How
1: to, funny was it? They invited me back! And, yeah. I was like, wow!
0: To me, the most flattering thing that can happen in a career is if your alma mater asks you to come back and speak to students, because that says that you're an example that they're like trotting you out. Like, this is what you can be, you know,
1: I, it, you know, that was, that was one of the coolest things ever. And initially, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you all well, you know, this, and I'm sure people listening know, are going to figure this out as well. I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not the, the buttoned up person at all. I'm not, I'm not that, you know? So like when I went in first couple minutes, I I, you know, I was trying to be as as reserved as possible and just, you know, answering the questions and giving, you know, proper responses. I noticed that the kids really weren't they were just really weren't that engaged. And then I answered some question. I was like, I was like, you know, you know, sometimes you just got to fuck around and do something. But it was something I said, and I saw these two kids look up from their phone. They dropped their phones and they're like, "This kid's fucking cool." And I was like,
0: "Wow." All you do is drop an f bomb. That's a, that's what we got to do. Exactly. Reach, yeah. I just had
1: to drop, and then and then from there, it was it was. It was to the races. Jordan, at the end of it, I invited the entire forum to the rat to play beer pong on me. And wow. there were like twenty there were twenty students that took me up on it. So they didn't have beer pong tables, which I thought was bullshit. But we ended up drinking a lot and it was fun. For those you know,
0: for those not in the know, the rat is the on campus bar and grill at the University of Miami, the Rath Skeller.
1: It was such an honor to go back and because I remember being in their shoes. I remember having, having, having guests come in and, and talk about their life and talk and give advice. And it was, it, it was really a, really a pretty surreal experience to do that. And, um, I'm actually, uh, I'm really excited because before this actually happened, out they were going to, they wanted me to come back and do, and do another masterclass. So, you know, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Speaking of masterclass, have you actually uh bought or subscribed to a master class like do you want helen Mirren to teach you how to act or you know
1: helen Mirren can teach me anything anything (laughs) anything she wants (laughs) you hear that helen (laughs) me and you this will be the best acting experience of your entire
0: life (laughs) the best act yeah exactly it would be an acting experience All right, man. Well, hey, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for talking to me. I hope that you can get out into the festivals at some point in the fall.
1: We'll get it done, bro. We will get it done.
0: All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. right, Bye. bye. Thank you to my guest, Alexander, and thank you for listening to the Pop Dust Podcast. I'm Jordan Edwards. You can find me at jordanedwardsstudio.com and at jordanedwardsstudio on Instagram. And be sure to check out the latest in entertainment and pop culture at popdust.com.